0: Take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. That's the way to salvation, right? If that's the way, then you got to get out of the way, because unholiness and holiness, they don't mix. Welcome to Connect. I love the community that Connect brings. Connecting with people. We can show up in and out of these doors all we want to, but if we haven't encountered holiness, then and I'm afraid that we don't know that we're sinners. We encourage each other to live the Christian life. You know, we're all praising the Lord here and we're gathered together. We're learning. I enjoy getting together with the body of Christ. Let's connect. Now, uh, we come to Numbers and Deuteronomy. We'll finish out the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But what what is uh, cool about Numbers is that you're dealing with that time period between Mount Sinai, where Moses got the Ten Commandments, right? You remember that, and, and now we're, we're heading out to the promised land. There's, there's a promise down the road. There's an, an inheritance coming. God has promised it. Remember Genesis 15, when God said to Abraham, I'll make your offspring like the number of stars, And we're watching that happen. So at the beginning of Numbers, I mean, it's all about organizing all of these groups. Like God's plan's still going. He's taking all of this, taking his people that he's chosen from the beginning and he's he's putting them together. The census that takes place. This is where we get the English name for the book Numbers, right? The Hebrew name is more appropriate. I think it literally means in the wilderness. But this book Numbers is about bringing those people together, bringing some order to it, and now moving forward. And so God's plan from Genesis 3:15 is on is still happening. It's happened through them. It's continuing. But now He's using this people. He's called this people his. And He's moving forward with this people. So if I had to say a, a major theme in the book of Numbers, let's be honest, most of us probably don't spend most of our time in Numbers or you know, do morning devotion in the book of Numbers. But yeah, I don't. But if I had to give you a theme of numbers, a, one theme would be whining and complaining. Really, and that doesn't sound too theological or deep, but I think that the writer here, I mean, he goes out of his way to show the whining and rebelliousness of the people and then the faithfulness of God. And we've seen that all the way through. We've seen how God has been faithful despite the rebellion, which gives us much hope in our own lives. But but we see a people who whine and complain to no end. And we see a God who is faithful. The seed continues. But I want to talk about something else that I see in Numbers tonight. Because there's a rather tragic event that happens in Numbers. One that, you know, when I read, I, I think, that's, that's just harsh. That's not a good God, Right? Let me ask you this. What is it it in your life that holds you back from experiencing God? And and this this is about Kenny's testimony. I mean, there's so much stuff that we put in our life. Some of it's good stuff. Some of it's bad. What is it that we put in our life that hinders us from experiencing God? And, the, and re- recently God's been working in my heart, teaching me these things like trusting God isn't about throwing your hands up and walking away. Trusting God a lot of times is, means cutting off all of the other stuff that you thought you needed and just looking to Jesus, just looking to Christ. See, the problem is, guys, is we've all built these fortified cities in our own lives. All right, we built these cities in our own lives of walls that uh, get higher and higher because we think that they're, they're things that we need. You know, we, we plan, we plan, we plan. We try to be as secure as we can in our own Garden of Eden that we're recreating, and, and therefore we're just, and then we tag God onto it and we say that we trust God. But that's not how God works. So tonight I want to talk about missing out. On the blessing that God has for you and on the promises God has for you when you follow after the flesh. Not a really fun topic, but I think a lot of us kind of wander down the, you know, aimlessly through life, kind of feeding our flesh slowly. Like Kenny said, he finally fully let Jesus into his life. You know, a lot of us are, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, but he's, has he opened every single door in your life? Has he opened every single closet? Has he invaded everywhere, every crack? Every cranny. That's the God of the Bible. He wants all of you. And when you give him all of you, you experience an unbelievable blessing. You experience exactly what you're after. You're, you experience what you think sin has to offer you. Sin promises things it never delivers, right? And we watch the pattern of these Israelites, and that's, the, that's all they show us. The Israelites, they just want to go back, man. They want to go back to their old roots. They want to go back to slavery, for goodness sake, because they're too scared to take that path to the blessing of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, he's talking about this story. He's like, he says, let these people be an example to you. He said, let those people be an example to you of what not to do. Let them be examples of evil that you don't commit. And so I'm like, okay, perfect. I mean, we all, we all, uh, we learn by example. I mean, our whole life, we learn by example. I, I cut up some oranges today and I put them in a bowl. And I was like, why did I put those oranges in a bowl? And I was like, my dad always put them in a bowl. I just saw him put them in a bowl. Stupid illustration, but I thought, that was a thought I had today. Why would you put oranges in a bowl? Put them on a plate. But anyways, you learn by, you learn by example. And so I want to look at these people and I want to see where we line up with them and then I want us to run away uh, from the path that they're on. So turn to Numbers chapter 13. Yeah, Numbers chapter 13, if you don't mind. And I want you to, start to, I want you to put yourself in these shoes. I want you to start thinking, am I, am I a person who's on a journey and I'm trying to do it all myself? You know, Hebrews says, throw off every sin and wait. Throw it all off. What's it worth to you if it only hinders you? So in in, in Numbers 13, we come to a place where, you know, they've left Sinai and they send out 12 spies. You always hear about people in the desert, right? Or the, not people in the desert, but the Israelites who wandered 40 years. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, that's just part of the story. Well, it didn't have to be that way. This is that's what blows my mind about how stubborn that these that these people were. And it, I mean, it's, it's like us. This is how stubborn we are. So, forty years of suffering just because they weren't willing to let God infiltrate every aspect of their life, they wanted their flesh to win. And so they get to, you get to Numbers uh, 13 and. They send spies over into the land of Canaan uh, to check it out. Forty days later, they come back. And verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And Can you imagine? They're, they're pumped up. They got all this, like, this is like Harris Teeter fruit, you know, like the good stuff. And they come back and they're just amazed that it's unbelievable. It's better than they thought. They've seen it with their own eyes. You know what God has promised you. You know that God has promised you an inheritance. You know that he's preparing a place for you. You know that our God is good and that he's out for your best interests. They saw it with their own eyes. Verse 28 has got to be the saddest verse in the Bible. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. How many times, how many times do we do this? We see the blessing of God but instead we, instead we choose to trust our own logic, to trust our own reason, to put our faith in everything around us when god 's already promised i 'm going to hand you, your enemies to you i 'm going to defeat them." I mean they already have been promised this land god 's already said i 'm going to defeat these people for you, but they go in and they assess it and they say, "Nope, not happening they 're bigger they 're stronger they 're better and so that, that spreads through the camp that spreads through everybody and and word catches on. And, and soon enough, everyone's like, no, we're not going in there. Two people believed, Caleb and Joshua. Two out of all of these people. And so the, the blessing that God had for these people, they saw it with their own eyes. But because they wanted to put their faith in everything around them, they, went, they, couldn't be, they wouldn't go in. So you want to know why they spent 40 years Wilderness, because of disbelief. I do not want to get down the road in my life and realized that I lived the most comfortable life I could when my creator and my God designed me to inherit a blessing that all I had to do was go get. See, we're here. The path to God's blessing and inheritance and goodness is here right here, and here's the, here's the end. And all you got to do is walk that path, but it hurts. It's the problem. It's painful. We stay here, and we build our city, and we think, I can fix all my problems right here. I don't need to go over here. I can fix my problems right here. I'll keep it a secret. I'll buy more stuff. I'll preoccupy my time. I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll buy more things. And you think your problems can get fixed right here, but your problem can't get fixed there because... The answer's over here. And so he leads you down this path and he leads you into possibly a wilderness. He leads you in a place where you're like, I don't trust you, God. Nothing about this makes sense. You don't understand my situation. But we're just as stubborn as this sometimes. We can see promises. We can hear them. We can preach them. We can, we can say them out loud in church. But do you realize that God has so, so much more for you than to wake up every day and to do something you don't enjoy to get a paycheck to buy a house that you're in debt for I mean is that what you want to look back on your life for I remember Tom saying last week don't follow a career that you don't want to follow he's retired he got to do something he enjoyed because he chose to find something he enjoyed and so I look at this and I'm like I, I don't want to get down the road and say, man, I've got a 401k because I worked 30 years and I've got a, I'm pretty comfortable. That's great. And that's what the world's going to tell you to do. But I want to get, I want to tap into the power of God. I want the blessing that God promises his people. I want to experience that. God has, uh, Experiences to offer us, and we also often stand on the outskirts of the blessing, then go into it. And sometimes we gotta walk down that path, and we gotta trust that the process and that the hardship and that the suffering is the instrument that gets you there. You see, what I find interesting is that I'll turn the page. Well, I don't wanna get there yet, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but What happened because of the people disobeyed? Look at 14, look at chapter 14, verse 22. Because of their own flesh, because the people trusted their flesh, verse 22 of chapter 14, none of the men who, God says, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give their father's. And none of them who despise me shall see it. Wow. You remember being a kid and like your parents are like, you do that one more time, you're not getting dessert or something like that. But you keep pushing the buttons and you keep pushing their buttons and and you know, you get closer to the edge and and finally they're like, fine, no more. You know, no dessert. And then you look shocked. You're like, what? No, come on. You give me another chance. No, like you had it. You wore it out. You crossed the line already. And so we get to a point now where a faithful God has, put, has cast judgment onto a people. And, and so this is what I want us to kind of understand and as part of our daily life too. We've got a God who has a plan and he is faithful to that plan. He's a God who loves and he's a God who sees it all the way through. It'll come all the way to Jesus and he's a God who is uh, saving us and doing work in us. But there's there's also an aspect uh, in here where you'll miss a lot uh, of blessing from God. You'll miss a whole life of purpose if you want to walk the line trusting in your own reason and in your own logic and what your circumstances tell you is right. You could live a lifetime of uselessness doing that. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to think, am I willing to participate in this when it could cost me everything? And I'm I'm talking good things, too. What is it in your life that you drag around that's not helping you get to the goal? Uh, I think I admire professional athletes because they have a discipline that I admire. They did something none of their peers could do. They stayed disciplined. They stay disciplined. I look at Steph Curry. Steph Curry doesn't, he's not on a hot streak. He's not, Steph Curry doesn't, you know, he's not getting lucky. Steph Curry is the best shooter in in the NBA because he conditions himself to be the best shooter in the NBA. His coach said he'd come before anybody would ever get there. He would make 100 threes before any person ever stepped on the court. And he would not leave practice until he swished five free throws in a row. That's a hard thing to do. Like if I make one, even if it's not a swish, I'm like, mm, I'm good. But he conditioned himself to be the best. So what he's doing on the court now, he's not getting lucky. That's what he prepared to do. She's not, he's not surprised by his uh, ability. That's what he trained to do. Because he, he, he threw off everything else. You see what I'm saying? He didn't let all the other mess get in the way. Somebody who's successful, anybody who's ever attained something... They look at it and they don't let anything else get in the way. And God is saying, why why is it that you want to fill your life and build your city with all this stuff? It's cool. I mean, some of it's not even bad, but you're missing the, the experience of God. Like what else, what other better experience can you have? Are we willing to build a life of the American dream, sacrifice experience with the God of the universe? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. And I look in uh, chapter 14. It says none of these men are going to see this land. Wow. You morons. Why can't you just obey? Well, I can look at myself. Moron. I probably just made a loud noise in the recording. You moron. Why don't you just obey? Think about it. The Israelites, as soon as they got out of Egypt, they said, I want to go back. You want to go back to slavery? That's how stupid we are. Because sin convinces us that it's better over there. Porn convinces you that it's better to go back to it. You think that it's liberating, but it's actually a prison. And so the the Israelites are in this cycle of, no, 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 I I want to go back to that comfort level. How many times do they say, Moses, why'd you lead us out here to die in the wilderness? Moses should have, I mean, he could have been like, yo, i just saved your butt, man. No, he wouldn't have talked like that. But he could have said, what are you talking about? I led you out of slavery. But these people are so stubborn, so bent on their own comforts that they're willing to go back to be rest just because it's safe. Just because they know that life. It's funny. They get to... Um, the, the promised land. They get all the way there. They send people in and it's unbelievable. It's flowing with milk and honey. The, they got Harris teeter fruit and it's amazing. And they think it's, they, they see it with their own eyes. And what do they say? No, I don't want to go in. I don't want to. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. What do you mean you're going to stay there? This is the wilderness. There's nothing to offer out here. I mean, you got terrible landscape. Let's be honest. This is not where you're meant to live. And here's the thing. God designed you To be a person who's liberated. Not a person who's oppressed. But our sin says, "Nope, go back. Go back to that prison. And how many people get through their whole life? Go through their whole life. And they spend it in that cycle of, yeah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the alcohol. I'm going to go back to the porn. I'm going to go back to the drugs. I'm going to go back to the television screen. Because I can sit in front of that for four hours and disappear from life. TV's not bad. But what? But what are you doing? I'm going to go back. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to go back, and and you're you're comfortable. And all of a sudden, and I, and people do this in relationships. I want to go back to this person, man. They're comfortable. The whole time we're we're trusting in ourselves. We're saying it's better back there because that's the that's the the lens that sin gives you. That's how we view the world because our flesh is cursed. And now I'm telling you to to fight to see as God sees. And that only happens by humbling yourself, yielding yourself, praying to God, open my eyes. You have a beautiful promise and I want it, but I can't get it. Trust me, I can't get it. He's got something for us, but we always go back. Why? Because we're sinful and we're no different. So the people, I mean, so they get there. They decide we're not going in. 38 years go by. That's a long time. And it says in at the end of the, excuse me, it says in 1431, you know, you're not going in, but your little kids who you said would become prey to the animals, they'll go into the land that you rejected. Wait a minute, God, we didn't reject it. You just told us we couldn't go in. No, you rejected it. Because you, you didn't believe God was who he says he was. And you didn't trust the word of the, the Lord. You ever think about that? It seems like God cut him off. But he's saying, no, you rejected it. His blessing is there. And they're saying, no, not attainable. Too unrealistic. And God's saying, you want to mock me? Like, okay. But his faithfulness is demonstrated in, his, in the children. The children go into the land we'll get there. And so God's never, he's not stopping the plan. The plan's continuing. But there is judgment involved. Their sin costs them everything. So I get to Numbers chapter 21. Turn there real quick. And I'm going to zoom through that. There's a picture here that I think is beautiful. Because I think uh, laced in scripture, there are glimpses of the most beautiful Story of all time, God intricately wove into boring books of the Bible like Numbers, beautiful glimpses of where He's taking you. He's taking you there. and He says uh, in verse four of twenty-one, "From Mount Hor they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go on the land of Edom, uh, and the people became became impatient." Excuse me, on the way. Imagine that. Verse five: The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out here in Egypt to die, or out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For well, there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. So there is food; they just don't like it. Uh, and <laughs> this is where things get crazy, because this is like a Samuel Jackson movie or something. I mean, this is, is kind of weird. Verse six: The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. That's zero to 100 real quick. You know what I'm saying? Verse seven. And the people came to Moses and said, we've sinned. We've done wrong. Just because the poisonous snakes came in, bit us. Now I know we've done wrong. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he'd take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people and the Lord said to Moses, he said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on uh, a pole so that everyone who's bitten, when they see it, they shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and a, uh, if a serpent had bitten anyone, they'd look at it and live. I love it in, in, in John chapter three, Jesus says to Nicodemus and he's talking to him. Nicodemus is like, what do I do to be saved? And Jesus is like, he talks about this. Just as Moses raised up uh, or the son of man must be lifted up just as the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up on the pole. He's talking about this. It's funny that the, the, the curse, the thing that killed them became the thing that saved them. The curse became the blessing. And in Jesus' case, the blessed became the curse for you. That's the crazy part, is that the blessed became the cursed and hung on a tree so you didn't have to. And so we're looking right here just in the midst of this chaotic story, in the midst of what seems like a bad movie. God is saying, God's giving us a glimpse. Hey, it's coming. There's a savior coming. There's something far more, uh, far better than this coming. There's one who can save the people. And he's showing you that. He sticks it in there. And so... The people wander for 40 years uh, because they weren't willing to yield. Where are you at? What are you dragging around in your life that's not pushing you towards God? Please don't miss what God has for you because you think something else is worth having in your life, whether it's good or bad. For the Israelites, it cost them everything. The end of Deuteronomy closes with Moses dying, staring into the promised land, never got to go in. You remember why? Yeah, he took things into his own hands. He trusted in himself and he didn't go, he didn't, Moses didn't get to go in. I mean, that's like, you know, if there was like a cover photo on the Bible, it'd be like Moses and Jesus. Like it, Moses is the man, but he didn't get to go in. Because he trusted in himself. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let those people be an example to you. Don't look at them and say, I don't want to do that. Jen looked at me my whole life and said, I don't want to be like that. So she was the good kid. She got good grades and she never got yelled at because she watched me be an idiot. Well, look at these people as an example. Think about your life. What am I dragging around? What am I not believing about God? Am I operating on my own strength? Am I looking around, assessing my life, putting pieces into place to where I've got my plan, I've got my security, to the point where God doesn't even fit in it. You just slap them on the outside and say that we're Christians. He's gotta be in the middle of it. And then that's when all the other stuff breaks away. And that's where freedom is. That's where freedom is found. Go there. Walk the path. It hurts, but it's worth it. Thanks for listening to Connect. We hope your heart was blessed and encouraged by today's message. Connect is the college and young pros ministry of Bayleaf Baptist Church. For more information about Bayleaf or Connect, please look us up on the web at www.bayleaf.org. Thanks again. And God bless.